But we, I, I love Thanksgiving. Uh, it's, it's a great time. And just like Amanda had said, I hope that you took the time to actually thank God for what you have. Whether it's a lot or whether, it, whether it's small. You know, there was an instructor at our school that told us, you know, if you have a broken finger, you know what? Praise God because you got the other ones that are working. So you can always find something to thank God about. And we're coming in and stepping into the Christmas season. And I have a question. How many people grew up in a denominational church? I grew up as a Lutheran. And as a Lutheran, we had a church calendar. And in that church calendar, it goes through seasons. And it's divided up. And this season is Advent. It's pre-Advent, Advent, then it comes uh, Nativity, Christmas, then Epiphany, and then pre-Lent, Lent, Holy Week, Easter, Pentecost, and then they say comes next is Ordinary Times. <laughs> ordinary Times, but it's about the Trinity and the Apostles. I don't know how that could be ordinary. They turn, they turn the world upside down. <laughs> But uh, every year we were encouraged to have uh, an Advent wreath through the Lutheran, Lutheran Church, and uh, my parents did that. And Advent, uh, in Latin, Advent means to come, to come. And it's talking about Jesus. Jesus is coming. We're celebrating his birth on Christmas. It means to come. And it means when he, we're going to celebrate when he arrived on this earth, but... I want you to understand that wasn't the beginning of Jesus. John chapter 1, let's go there. I'm going to make you work today. This is important. This is really important for your children to understand. We, you know, for their, their minds, they think that he's having a birthday, so he, he started it right then. Jesus was always God. He was with God in the beginning. All right? John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word of God. He was with God from the very beginning. So he always was. I want you to understand, he's from everlasting, from everlasting to everlasting. He really is just like the Father, the Ancient of Days. And then uh, we take a look at uh, Advent in, in Latin means to come, and then Advent in Greek means presence. It means presence, God's presence. It's awesome. His name was Emmanuel. God with us. And in Hebrews, it says that he uh, will never, ever, under any circumstances, desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. That's the presence of God we sang about. He's with you. He goes before you. He's beside you. He's behind you. He's within you. I think we sometimes don't really give that the honor that should be given. We don't think about, oh, God, help me. He's, he's right here. He's in your spirit. Your spirit is entwined with his spirit. It's awesome. Now, Jesus became incarnate. Look at verse 14 here. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So this is what we celebrate during the Advent season. The birth of Christ. This is when the word of God became flesh. He was always God. He was always man. This is miraculous in itself. Amen. But Advent means to come. And Advent means presence. So God is with us everywhere we are. Good times, bad times, we sang about it. When you're crying, when you're rejoicing, he's with us. He's never going to relax his hold on us. 
That is comforting to me. Well, the season of Advent is a four-week series of Sundays before Christmas. And we are celebrating that each week. And what the idea is to help us to understand and keep a spiritual attitude towards uh, the weeks and the days coming up to Christmas. Sometimes this helps a person really focus on God. Sometimes you're just doing what I did as a kid. Light the candles. <laughs> Light the candles and put them out. That's, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> but I have to tell you, even with my childlike mind, when I was young, <laughs> I still have that mind. <laughs> Ask anybody who lives with me. <laughs> But those seeds of just having this Advent wreath actually produce something in my life. And that, that's actually the very beginning of an Advent wreath was in, in Germany in 1839. And it was a Lutheran minister who was working with a children's mission. And they took a, a wheel of a cart and what he did was put four candles, well, he put 20 candles all the way around the, the wheel, and then four white candles in the center. And then what he would do, and it was because they helped the kids understand when Christmas was coming. That's what helped me understand Christmas was coming. But in that whole thing, you light these candles, and the wreath itself, it represents quite a bit. It's pretty awesome when you think about it. The wreath itself, it, it actually is made up of different types of laurels, of evergreens. And some of them were for, uh, you know, signifying uh, continuous life. Because when other trees are lost all their leaves and are dead, so to speak, the evergreen is always green. So it, it just tells you that life is going on and going on. And we take a look at some of those evergreens were, some of it was cedar, and cedar was an expression of strength. Some of it uh, was uh, pine, which actually helped us to understand suffering, and our victory over suffering and persecution. And then you have uh, the symbolism of the holly, and the holly helps us remind us of the thorn of crowns that were on Jesus' head. And the wreath, again, has no beginning, no end, which signifies eternal life. And that uh, it also it helps us understand the eternal word of God, like we read in John 1:14, became flesh and dwelt among us. And what he did for us through his death his life, death, and resurrection. And also they have nuts or pine cones in between all these, and that also helps us to understand, like Jesus said, unless a seed dies and falls into the ground, it remains alone. But what we have here, that's to help us understand that life, death, and resurrection. That's to help us remember these things. The candles also represent something pretty amazing. There's four candles, and that is supposed to represent uh, 4,000 uh, years because it was 4,000 years between Adam and Eve and Christ. So one candle, 1,000 years, two candles, 3,000. There you go. Each candle represents something, too, that is a gift to us. It, it represents the first one that we're going to enjoy today is hope. And it's hope to all those who are longing for a Savior, all those who thought that life was over because of their, their guilt of their sin, that Jesus himself came to pay their price so that we have a hope of eternal life. Not just hope in this life, but eternal life. Life after death, because that life is to come, praise God. The second one is a peace candle. And in the stress of this world, don't we need that? 
We've got to remember he is the Prince of Peace. He does dwell within us. And we can have peace that passes all understanding. And then we have the, uh, the joy candle, which is the rose-colored candle. And it's like, remind us what the uh, angels had said, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And also reminds us the joy of the Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. And then the, the next candle is purple, and it represents the love of God expressed to us through Jesus Christ. No matter what the difficulty is, no matter what the trials are, this wreath can help center us back on the love of the Savior. And then uh, the fifth candle is usually a center candle, and it's, it's white, and that represents Christmas Day. It also re- represents the purity of Christ himself. Hallelujah. And the Lutheran church, what we went to, had a devotional, and it was I think it was the guidepost. Uh, I think people have heard of the guidepost. But it would give you a scripture uh, for each night, and then you, mom and dad would read it, or if, when we were old enough, we could read it. But we were, uh, those, those little Bible readings, those little things, that's actual real seed sowing into your child, even though it may, they might not be looking at it, or you might be thinking, they're not paying attention. That is incorruptible seed of the ever-living word of God. And it's going into that heart. You know, do that, say a prayer, maybe even sing a Christmas carol. You know, you want to make that something that is a time out from everyday life. And so, parents, do your child some, bless them. Do this, grandparents, do this for your children. I want you to participate at home. You can make these real easy. Just get a circle wreath and order those uh, candle holders and you know what but it's important those simple seeds like that made a difference in my life and it might it'll make a difference in your life your kids lives if let's say they are out of your house and they're going through struggles on their own they sometimes will just be flabbergasted because life is hard but yet the Holy Spirit has something to work with to bring them back into remembrance of things that they knew when they were growing up. And then that it goes back to the, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, can cause their hearts to just settle. You might even get a phone call. <laughs> Mom, thanks for that. Dad, thanks for that. But we want to light tonight... Today, this first candle, it's the hope candle. The hope candle. Now, we all have hope, amen? But we're going to take a look at the difference between natural hope and spiritual hope, Bible hope. Because there is a major difference. So let's, let's light this candle and we'll pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your love toward us. You are our ever-living hope. And we have hope in this world that you've given to us, and we have hope for the next world that you've given to us. Help us to understand what your hope is and the power of your hope. We ask you, Father God, to do a work within our hearts. Today we're we're hearing from heaven. We say, give us this day your daily bread, our daily bread, Lord. And Jesus, you said that you indeed are the bread of life. You're the living word of God. Yes, you would just open our understanding, open our hearts to receive the truth of your 
gospel, the good news. Cause hope, Bible hope, to burn in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So what is hope? Natural human hope. You know what that is? Let's wait and see. I hope. I hope. You never know. That type of hope makes you a victim of circumstances. <laughs> and I'm sorry to say that's the most kind of hope that people have in the world. And the truth is a lot of Christians have that type of hope. Whatever happens must be God's will. You're never a participant in the outcome of your circumstances or you're never a participant of, the, of how your life turns out. Well, we'll just see. I hope it turns out okay. We'll see. You never know. <laughs> but Bible hope is an expectation of good. It's an expectation of good. And you're not a victim with Bible hope. You do have something to do with the outcome of the circumstances of your life with Bible hope. Because Bible hope leads to faith, and faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Hallelujah. Here it is. Jeremiah 29.11. Some of you already know this scripture. Jeremiah 29.11. This is God speaking to you. If you're quick, turn there. <laughs> if you're fast on your fingers, you can get there on your phone quicker, I guess. This, is, this should actually be underlined in your Bible. Because it's, this is something that we need to understand. We just finished a series called Winning the War in Your Mind. Winning the War in Your Mind. And we talked about you actually create neuropathways with the thoughts you think. And you put those same thoughts over and over and over. And then it becomes such an easy default for your mind to go to. And that's why it's so important for us to renew our mind to what God is saying, who we are, and what he has for us. Because we want that to be the default in our mind. That would, that's the where we want to go to automatically. Automatically. Did you find that? This is God speaking to you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. A future and a hope. Well, there you have it. Is that the most you're thinking about, that God is with you, or is he somebody who's just looking for you to mess up so he can crush you? Is he there just saying, well, you did that wrong, you did that wrong, you did that wrong, or is he one saying, hey, I got a, I got a future for you that is so good, so good? I mean, is this your default? How do you view God? How do you view God? What's the hope that he's talking about here? What is the hope that he's talking about here? The hope. The hope. See, we have hope. God is so all wonderful that he gives us hope for now and in the future. It's not just, well, life here is all you have. Because that's all a lot of the church thinks about. What do we do? We ask for blessings about everything about our temporal life. Help my son win the game. Help my daughter not fall off the balance beam. <laughs> Help them do really good in this play. How about let's pray, Lord, use him in a mighty way. Father God, use her in a mighty way. You, your word says children are for signs and wonders. You said that they, they will bring many into the kingdom. Lord, this is the prayer I have for my children. We start to pray about eternal things, of kingdom things. 
Not just things. No, God didn't just leave us only onto the sweet by and by. He, he wants you to do things here and now. See, this is the hope we have. We have the hope for now and we have the hope for the future. First Peter, First Peter chapter 1. Almost turned right to it. One page off. And we're going to take a look at 1 Peter chapter 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In that series, we said your, your, your mind, your life will always go toward the strongest thoughts that you have. Are the thoughts you have according to God's thoughts? This is where we place our hope. You know, Jesus said in this word, you're going to have trouble. But he also said, be a good cheer for I've overcome the world. That's the living hope we have. That's the living hope we have. The Bible says, and I think it's uh, Hebrews 6.19, I think it is, that hope is an anchor to our soul. Hope is an anchor to our soul. You see the difference between worldly hope and Bible hope? Uh, worldly hope, there's no anchor there. It's getting tossed by the wind and the waves. But yet, Bible hope, it's an anchor to our soul. And I was thinking of this because John and Hannah and the kids, the grandkids are up here, and they're from Virginia Beach. John's got a boat. He goes fishing on the ocean. <laughs> he knows what an anchor is. <laughs> Praise God. You know, that anchor... When he takes the boat and we get to our fishing spot, he drops that anchor. And then guess what? He knows we're going to stay there. We might get bumped around a little bit here and there by the waves. But yet, he knows we're secure. He doesn't have his mind on, oh, the waves, oh, the wind, oh, the waves, oh, the... No, he's, he's fishing. <laughs> he... <yeah. laughs> He can relax because you know why? The anchor is down. The anchor is down. <laughs> so what's going to keep you on the right place? What's going to help you overcome the obstacles that you face? What's going to help you obtain the promises of God and even reach out in, in your dreams it's when you're anchored to hope, folks. It's when you're anchored to hope. You know, when, when, it, uh, when things seem to take longer than they should, like always, <laughs> and things seem to be more difficult than you thought, and actually... It's tough because, you know, there's times when you're not getting your prayers answered. It, it, there's times when, you know, the dreams you thought were going to happen and you compare what you thought and what reality is and then that brings a disappointment. But when you're anchored to hope, listen, when you're anchored to Bible hope, no matter what we face, no matter how big the obstacle no matter how long the waiting, <laughs> you know God's plans for you are good plans. 
They're good. They're good. God's bigger than our challenges, folks. We're anchored to a living hope. A living hope. Praise God. You know what, what happens in the world, like the political scene or the war or, you know, the supply chain disruption? <laughs> the COVID? <laughs> Where's your anchor? Where is the anchor? You have to ask yourself, did, did I pull the anchor up? You know that's something, because if you, if you don't anchor around, you can drift to places you don't want to go. And sometimes the drift is so slow, you don't even recognize it. Next thing you know, you don't see the shore anymore. What? And if you're on that ocean, you don't know which way is which. Is that that way, or is it that way? <laughs> When you receive a doctor's report and it's bad, and a lot of people would be all upset and worried about it, you know what you say? God is restoring health to this body. Glory to God. Because if you don't have this living hope, it could draw you to bitterness, anger, yeah, discouragement, disappointment. Where's your anchor? Where is the anchor? But you know what? You could actually, if you're anchored in the, in the living hope, you could quote Isaiah 61 and say, you know what? God has given me beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise and spirit instead of the spirit of fainting. <laughs> so I will be called an oak of righteousness. <laughs> the planting of the Lord so that he could be glorified. Where's your anchor? Your attitudes be, you know what? I might not see the way, but I know God will make a way. He's a miracle worker. He is for me and not against me. <laughs> Listen, we're always getting pulled one way or the other. This whole world is trying to have you pull up your anchor. Look at this. Wokeness. Look at that. Wokeness. <laughs> Wokeness changes whenever they feel like it. <clears throat> There's nothing solid about it. Glory to God. Negative thoughts come. <laughs> Trying to disconnect you from hope. But yet when you have this living hope, you have this anchor to your soul you know, thoughts, negative thoughts can come. There's no doubt about it. We all know that. But if you're tied to that anchor, you're always coming back to living hope. It, because it won't let you go. <laughs> because this living hope we have is Him. It's Him. The first week of the advent is hope bible hope do you remember sarah and abraham god tells him abraham abram change your name to abraham sarah sarai now it's sarah change your names i think they were 75 years old how about trying it now no that's not my name anymore but he says what? He says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Well, Sarah's been barren all her life, all their married life. No children, none, none whatsoever. So what does he do? Sarah has this idea. Oh, we'll fix that. Here's Hagar. Ishmael is born. And God says, he's not going to be the heir. Now, Abraham is 99 years old. 99. Turn to Romans chapter 4. He's 99 years old. Sarah's 90 years old. Now, really, are they thinking about having a baby? <laughs> and all the women said, 
No. <laughs> but Abraham and Sarah both had an anchor for their soul. What was that anchor? It was the word of God. It was a covenant made with God. Romans chapter 4, verse 17 through 21. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. I hear the pages turn. You should read the whole chapter because it's, it's really will build your faith and strengthen your heart. In verse 17, it starts, that is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. That's your hope. That's your anchor. Tied to this. Listen to this, verse 18. New Living Translation, it says this. Even when there was no reason for hope. I'll bet some of us have felt that. Huh? In your life? In your valley? There's no reason for hope. But it says this. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you'll have. Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though he was about 100 years of age. He figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. <laughs> but, God, but Abraham never waited in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. And he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Even when there's no reason to hope, Abraham hoped. Even when all the circumstances were saying, it's impossible, give up, you're foolish, this is ridiculous. That's, that's what the world would tell you. And the Bible hope would say, you're anchored. You're anchored. And tell me, what do you think all of Abraham's servants thought? Crazy. This guy has lost it. He believes God, a God who's invisible. <laughs> He changed his name. He th Why are we still hanging out here? <laughs> but he was anchored in hope, biblical hope. And what do we know about this biblical hope? We read it right here. This biblical hope, when he hoped, when there was no reason to hope, that hope, that living hope, became faith. And faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible declares, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But the way it looks here is that hope is necessary for you to have faith. Where's your anchor? Where's the anchor? You know, you might have difficulty right now, right here and right now. You're, things look impossible for you. But I'm, I'm, I'm really encouraging you, do not pull up your anchor. Don't pull up your anchor. Because God will always come through. He is a faithful God. And if you're born again, you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have a covenant with God. A covenant. You know the Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. And his covenant is for sure and forever settled in heaven. So no matter what we're facing right here, right now, listen, we can have this hope, this eternal hope.
The hope of glory. But is it just for this life? Is this all we got? Is this life and that's the end of it? Is that the, a done deal? Solomon says that vanity, vanity, everything's vanity. He does all this stuff and it's all vanity. You know what he's thinking? Well, I'm going to die just like they're going to die. This is all vanity. But is it? He says what he ends up by saying, hey, bottom line is serve God. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. Love on your family. But we have a hope. We have a hope that surpasses this realm. Glory to God. The good news is the gospel is that Jesus came to this earth. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead, and everybody who believes in him will be raised from the dead also. And will have a body similar to Jesus' body. Hallelujah. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> He's going to give us a resurrected body. And it's going to be like the resurrected, glorified body of Jesus. Go to, go to 1 John. 1 John. You're in Romans. Well, stop by Philippians first. <laughs> stop by Philippians first. Philippians chapter 3. Listen, our hope is beyond this realm. Our hope is beyond these bodies. Our hope is beyond our bills. Our hope is beyond our, what we can dream of here on this earth. Our hope is far beyond the glories of this realm. Chapter 3, verse 21. It says that we will, he's going to transform our lowly bodies that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Anchored in hope, folks. You too can walk through walls. <laughs> you too can think about making a fire with fish on there, waiting for the disciples to come in. Conform to his glorious body. Now go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. I'm going to pick it up in a part of 2 and then 3. Look at this. Our hope is beyond this realm. Our hope right now is beyond what we can see, touch, or feel. Our hope is eternal. Just like he said in 1 Peter. It's a living hope. It's an eternal hope. It's an inheritance that will never fade out or decay. Waiting for us. But we have to have our anchor down. So we're not blown by the wind and the waves. And get deceived by the philosophies of man. Come on now. Just think about Abraham. All his, this man's crazy. He does, he's lost it. You know, they might be saying that to you, about you behind your back. You just expressing your faith and your belief in God and your belief in how things are going to turn out. They're going to be behind your back. You're crazy. You lost it. Wonder when he's going to change his name. <laughs> That's if they know the Bible. <laughs> Get it? Abraham and Abraham. Okay, just want to make sure you're still with me. <laughs> Look at what it says. First John chapter 3, part of verse 2, it says, We shall be like him. Everyone who has this hope purifies himself. Listen to that. You know, the centerpiece of God's eternal gospel is... is for Jesus to come back to this earth and have kingdom rule over this earth. And what he's going to do, he's going to join the heavenly realm and the earthly realm together. That's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, if you're taking notes. And it really, in the truth, the heavenly realm speaks of all the supernatural stuff. And the earthly realm speaks about the physical realm where we'll still have a natural process of like human emotion, physical uh, 
sensations, but it's going to be to its fullest expression. To its fullest expression. Praise God. He's, God himself is always wanting to live with his people on earth face to face. You've probably heard uh, the song, uh, Back to Eden. I think that's a song. It's better than Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young's Back to the Garden. <laughs> Even though I like that a lot. <laughs> he desired to have his dwelling place on this earth where he can be with his people and we would be able to see him face to face. Revelation 21, 22, both of those chapters will tell you about it. This is God's desire. It's his desire. Gosh, could you imagine this? We get to see God face to face. Again, the earth is going to have all its natural processes, but it's all going to be enhanced. It's not going to be suspended. It's, it's going to be uh, energized or charged supernaturally. Oh, glory to God. And then John gives us a view of the new Jerusalem that's coming down. That's, it's spectacular in itself, just looking at that. Our hope is not just here and now. We have a future. We have a hope that is beyond this life. Don't put all your eggs in a basket here on this earth. Because it's all going to be burned up anyway. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, amen? New heaven, new earth. Think about Jesus' glorified body, his resurrected body. And then maybe this one last scripture here I'm going to take it. Matthew 13, Matthew 13. Daniel 12 talks about it too. You and I will have a resurrected body like Jesus Christ's. Oh, glory to God. We're going to be filled with God's light, His glory, and His perfection. It's not like we're going to appear to be somebody else. It's going to, we're going to be able to have these same bodies. People are going to recognize you, but they're going to be perfect. That means I'll have a little more muscle and a little less chub <laughs> I'll be able to run like a deer <laughs> glory to God I'll never get older yes glory to God that's your hope that's your future that's my future anybody who calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved and we will have a resurrected body we will live with God himself if right now we're welcome into his throne of glory to find grace and help. What do you think it's going to be when we're there? He'd be coming and say, Hey, I'm coming to your house tonight to eat. <laughs> he said, ah, Are you bringing dessert? <laughs> That's what I'd be saying. <laughs> and do you like snow? <laughs> he says yes, because his throne is in the sides of the north. Just to, just to remind you. Just to remind you. So what does it say in Matthew 13, 43? It says, The righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Do you remember when Jesus appeared to the disciples? How, do you remember the Mount of Transfiguration? He was ablaze. Remember when John saw him on the island of Patmos? He was ablaze. He's, he's always like that, but he can kind of conceal his glory a bit. But that's who he really is. And so we need these new bodies so that we can even stand in his presence. Glory to God. Uninhibited. Totally uninhibited. You know, when he had that glorified body, he appeared to the disciples in the upper room and they all were like, what? That's the walking through walls stuff that I like. 
glorious. (laughs) But what happened? They didn't, they were kind of freaked out about the whole thing. And what did Jesus say? Hey, got anything to eat? (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Got anything to eat? They had broiled fish. I was looking for fried. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're going to have food. We're going to eat. We're going to be able to enjoy things. Again, like I said, we're going to have our natural processes, but they're all going to be enhanced supernaturally. We're going to eat I, I presume we'll sleep. I don't know that. Glory to God. This is our future. God wants to live with us. Remember what he said? He says, handle me. Flesh and bones, our spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. This, so we're going to have substance. Give me something to eat. You know, Paul, I'm going to go with this and close out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is another one that you need to read. And it talks about this, our resurrected body, that we will be transformed in a twinkling of an eye. Okay? It talks about the things that are going to happen and the bodies that we will have compared to the bodies we have now. You know, we're going to still have our personality. You know, we're going to still have our genetics and all that, but it's, it's going to be brought to full perfection. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is our hope. You have your anchor down? There isn't anything on earth. There is nothing on earth that can pull you away from this when you understand it and you know it. So you first hope for it. And without reason to hope, you still hope for it because that hope now turns to faith. And faith is what? The substance of things hoped for. Keep your anchor down. We're all going to find wind and waves smashing against us. I would suggest you read that. Definitely read that. Look at the things that are there. This is your hope. This is our hope. As brothers and sisters, as a a church body, we want to encourage every single person to keep their anchor down. This candle lit today represents hope. 
But it's not just that hope of your circumstances that you're in now will turn out right. It goes beyond that. It's deeper than that. It's more alive than just that. It's an eternal hope. And in that eternal hope, with that eternal hope, and through Jesus Christ, we're born again. And that's the only way to have this type of hope, is to be born of God's Spirit, because this hope is spiritual. It's a spiritual power. The only way to receive that is yielding your life to Jesus Christ, surrendering it all to Him. We said He was born for one reason, is to take away the sin of the world. And that's personal. That means He'll take away your sin, no matter what you've done. No matter where you were last night, no matter what you're watching, maybe even this morning, He'll take that sin away. Doesn't matter if you're addicted. We sang a song today. Bring your addiction. Bring it to the cross. Love. God is love. And He loves you. That's why He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. To pay the price you could never pay. We were doomed and forever going to be sealed in torment. But because of the Father's love, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, that whoever will believe in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. If you're here today and you have not given your life to Jesus, I say, now's the time. Today's the day of salvation. I ask you to just simply lift your hand. That'd be just an exercise of faith. Yes, I believe. I, I want my sins forgiven. Yes, I want to become a child of God. Yes, I want this eternal hope. Yes, I want this living hope. I want my future secure. Now let me pray for you guys. You might be here today and you know you're, you did pull up your anchor. But God has a GPS on you. He knows right where you are. He knows right where you are. And his conviction is not to push you away. When you feel conviction of sin, God's inviting you to come closer to him is what he's doing. He's inviting you. He loves you. He wants you. So go ahead right now and say, Lord, I, I think I've pulled up my anchor. I think I've drifted further than I wanted to. I, I've gone my own way. I, and you're the only way back. So I ask you to forgive me of my sins, Lord, my wandering, thinking I could figure it all out myself. Lord, God, forgive me. And he does. And he does. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.